0: you're listening to The Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about cathedral-like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearcathedral.com. Good morning!
1: Good morning,
0: good morning! How are
1: y'all? Are y'all ready for some more relationships?
0: The guys? <laughs> the guys are like, oh, oh man, for real. Still
1: talking about relating?
0: Uh, this come is the last on. week. It's the uh, last one, we promise. But
1: before we, before we relate...
0: Yes, we got a big announcement. So, our school, most of y'all know, Cathedral Academy, we have a school back here, and they have been to the state championship two years in a row. This is the third. Yesterday was the third, and they both won. Girls and guys. Reppin the home tip. Reppin' the home tip. Yeah, you think you can hold me? Wow. And not only did they win, but I think the combined total of the spread was 41 points. Yeah, they, they annihilated dominated. the competition. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, and
1: we've got a few of them, we've got both coaches in the house that y'all, they're just incredible. Before I have them stand up, I do want to tell the story that when we played in the playoffs on Thursday night, one of the other team's moms, like one of the players from the other team, came and said to me. The way your boys, their attitude on the She went to school here. She had grown up going to Cathedral Academy, doesn't live locally. She said, the way that your boys conduct themselves, the way they handle themselves is so impressive. And she said, I so wish that my child could be under that. Covering, um, but the coaches—they just—they do a really good job fostering that. And Luke made it the phrase. Whenever we left, he said, "You know, it's one thing to be physically strong, but mentally weak. And what's impressive about these coaches is they're helping these kids to be physically strong and mentally strong. Um, and so, yeah." And. Um, While doing all of that in a a Christian atmosphere and environment with Christian leadership, so they are they're a huge blessing to us. So Blake Ferguson is here and Isaac Brown. Stand up, don't sit down. Where is Isaac?
0: Back right there. There's
1: Isaac. There's Blake. and it's lots of hours. They don't have children that are playing right now on the teams. They both have families. They both have other jobs that they're doing, working. And so this is really just, they're just, and I don't think it's for the pay. I don't think the pay is. <laughs> 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 um, so thank you guys for, and congratulations. We celebrate you today. And yes, absolutely. Anybody place. from the
0: teams though? or the I think there players? are the, our seniors don't.
1: left for senior trip today. Oh yeah.
0: A lot of them left. for senior. But there right. is,
1: there's some of them here who yeah. look, they're like, who? Jacob. Where's it? Duh. There we go. And I know, I think, yeah. Lily's in here. Um, yeah. Lily's in here, I don't know where she is. I've seen a few of them yeah. um, that are not wanting to stand. Well, we're but... so
0: proud of them. We are super, super proud of them. Isaac, we call him Mike, uh, he's the athletic director. He was athletic, this was his first year, and we told him- His first we, year at Cathedral. His first oh, year at Cathedral, um, and we told he came from a college coaching level, and now he's our athletic director, and he is the absolute perfect fit. He's everything we were looking for, and this is the fruit of that first year. Uh, but I, we, I remember sitting around an interview table with him, and I said, you know, winning is not our most important thing here. They, these kids, they have to watch you. They will watch you in the good and the bad, and what you teach them, whether you win or lose, is more important than whether you win or lose. And I, you can't say that to every coach. You know what I'm saying? Most coaches would be like, well, if it's not about winning or losing, we're gone. But we said, we want to win but we also want them to win at life. And these two guys role model that better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. So there you go. They do,
1: they do. And it's
0: better message when you're winning state championships. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> it was really fun. So same yeah. place, same time next year, it's the Goal.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's dive in, let's pray real quick. Uh, Lord, we come to you today and we just we thank you for today. I felt like during worship, you just said, let's just sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let's just imagine ourselves sitting in a living room right here and just talking to God. Lord, we pray that spirit over this room right now. We pray that you just sit here right here in a living room with us over a cup of coffee on this cold morning and just speak to us. Lord, we're open. We want to know what you know. We want to hear what you have to say. Lord, move our hearts, and we ask for your presence to be thick in here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. So today's our last uh, week talking about how can you, can you relate, and we're going to focus on friendships today, although a lot of what we say um, can be applied to all relationships, I would say. But we want to focus on friendships, and the neat thing is when you look at God and you look at Jesus coming to earth, you get a picture of Jesus' intention, the Lord's intention for our lives, um, because the whole goal is to relate You know, there's a lot of false religions out there, and the goal of the religion, the whole journey, is works. And you have to do this, and you have to do this, and it's all about how much can you do. Jesus is all about having a relationship. With us, And so that means you and I are created as relational beings. We were designed to relate. And so when Jesus is here, you see, you get the full picture because not only we're supposed to relate with God the Father, and then you're supposed to relate with each other and build connections and relationships. Um, At one point, Jesus was asked. They said, you know, God, tell us what is your will for us? Like, what is the main goal for us? His disciples are asking Jesus. And Jesus responds back. He said, this is it. This is your goal. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So now he's created us as relational beings. He's lived a life that was an example of how to be the relational being that he's called us to be. And he's saying, that's your number one goal. Love me, love them. Build a relationship with me, build a relationship with them. And... The cool thing about God, I think, is that he designed us to do that. That's what we're supposed to do. But unlike in a system of works where you can get weary and tired and it can be exhausting and draining, God designed us to do that, and then in return, we get filled up. So now he says, love me and love each other, and when you do that, there's going to be something that's going to happen on the inside of you that is going to give you a level of joy and of peace and of belonging and connection and purpose. And so now God says, you do it, I'm going to fill you back up with it. It's really cool. Even C.S. Lewis makes the phrase, and I think that most men in here can appreciate this phrase. C.S. Lewis says, Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a good fire?
0: Mm. That's
1: what I'm talking about. Um but there's, there's just truth. So you as a human were not meant to do life alone. You were meant for a level of connection. Um, the writer of Ephesians put it this way. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who has no one to help him. Because the truth is we all, there will be difficult times in our life. There will be hardships there will be financial hardships there will be moving there will be a loss someone will get sick someone in your life will die and the importance of having a community of people around you that you're connected to is really important that's why it says pity someone who does not have that um and this friendship that we're talking about today is different like you can say i have a friend so like ah yeah i have a friend that works down at the doctor's office they can get you in like a friend, Friend, there's a thousand different shades of friendship. Today we're talking about your people, like your close-knit people, because there's a level of intimacy that has to happen, that is supposed to happen for the friendship to be what God called it to be. We use the phrase intimacy and break it down as an into me you see. So the truth is there is a desire in life for you to see and know all of me, and yet you still accept me. That's where something shifts on the inside. So you see into me, and at that point, you're waiting on the verdict back from the friend. Do you see me, and do you accept me? And I think that there can be a real crisis in life when you get to a place, and you realize I don't have that friend. I don't Mm -hmm. have those friends. And I think um, it's one thing to have friends but not have that level of friendship.
0: Yeah, we uh, actually talked the other night. We were at a young Bible study, and I was talking with the guys around a fire, like C.S. Lewis told us to, and we were sitting around a fire, and they had a ton of questions about friendships, and one of my questions back to them was, um, how do you, I bet every one of you, and these were all young men, I bet every one of you can tell me all about your ideal woman, Um, but have you prayed about the vision?" for your boys? Like, have you prayed about who your guys are? What what are the characteristics of them? What do they look like? What do they act like? What drives their heart? What motivates them? Um, and guys, this is a really important point for you, this, this uh, message, because we just don't do friends well. And the older we get, the less we do friends well. Uh, we kind of end up following our wife around or kind of get dragged around by life's responsibilities, and we don't get intentional about... <laughs> What'd I say? I said something.
1: <laughs> it's just two phrases that, if, if they were put together, would feel kind of offensive. Yeah, they well, weren't put together, but they put them were close. Together to, you said we end up following our life, wife around or get drugged around by our responsibility. So it was kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't. Drug. Is two a, different
1: thoughts, though. yeah. so They were just close, that's all. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> You're good, baby. You're good. Yeah, no.
0: Well, I don't know how you recover after that one. No.
1: But. I, I think what you're saying is great because I, don't, I think that a lot of men would say, I don't really need friend Like, I don't, it's not a, a big thing that I need. And it, I think it's also, it's a, difficult to, it's a difficult way to create an intimate relationship with a, a guy. Like, you, that you have to know that it's a biblical thing and want to go after that. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: For that level of relationship.
0: Yep.
1: Um, let's talk a little bit about when that, during the season when you were, had a lot of friends. Yep. And there was a season I remember Luke specifically praying for this. Like, I want, I've got a lot of guys I know, a lot of guys I have a lot of fun with, but what, what, how do I take people that God has planned for me, and those become my close friends?
0: Yeah, well, I've got a a best friend, Chris Profader, most of y'all know him, he played the drums in this, um, and he's my, my best friend, hands down. Um, I didn't realize when I first met him how much I needed him. I do now. (laughs) Um, When I first met him, he was trying to mess with my business. And uh, it wasn't working out. See, Meg didn't want me to tell you all these details, but I told her in the last service, and she didn't like it and got in trouble. But I'm gonna tell you again, because
1: you're gonna tell the whole story again.
0: Spanking from her is not that bad, if you know. What <laughs> <I'm> Babe. <saying. laughs> Your mom and dad aren't here. They're, They're watching. Oh. <laughs> I pray they slept in.
1: Okay, you're gonna tell the whole story, y'all. Everybody in here that maybe you're visiting, but Luke wasn't always walking with the Lord. So before, so this is pre-Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So in college, I had this system. We and Saturday, we had a house. We lived on the wrong side of the tracks. It was a great little uh, beater of a house, and we loved it. Um, and we could kind of do whatever we wanted with it. On Saturdays, we would play a football game. On Saturday nights, I would invite everybody over. We would have a party. Um, and the great thing about South Carolina, I realized, was that Sunday, they didn't sell alcohol. So, I had this little system that I worked out that I was, on Saturday night, you came in I can't in believe to... you're
1: telling this story right now. He didn't, you didn't finish it at nine o'clock.
0: Okay. So Anyways.
1: <laughs> Getting high. Where are it now?
0: Where are we <laughs> So, they, so I had this system that on Saturday night, yeah, I would welcome you, come on in. Everybody brought their own alcohol, their own treats or whatever. And I had this way back garage that was kind of creepy that was like at the back of the property. And I would take your alcohol and I'm going to store it and refrigerate it for you in this refrigerator that the more you drank, the more you forgot that alcohol was there. <laughs> because on Sunday... Anything I had left in that fridge, I would sit out in my front yard and sell because everybody still wanted it. And I lived in a kind of neighborhood that on Sundays everybody drank. So illegal or not, I had a good little thing going there. Entrepreneur, there you go. Entrepreneur. Yes. Taught from my dad. So dad, there you go. Uh, I think bootlegging's in our blood somewhere. Um, but I had a good system, and and then I had a system with the cops that if I kept the people in the backyard, they wouldn't break up the party. So, I think there might have been customers on Sunday. I don't know. But, uh,
1: I'm so. It is so hot in here right now. I'm,
0: I'm, this may be the last time I speak, but it's fun when it, uh,
1: this is fun why it lasts. Uh,
0: but anyway, so one night we're. You're saying our, that there
1: was a there was a strict system to what you did. It was a,
0: It was a very important system. okay yes, very strict
1: Processes. Well were. one
0: night uh, this frisbee crowd showed up to our football party. Uh, this guy with these big sideburn chops showed up and that happened to be Chris. Before I knew him, uh, he was a, a, the Frisbee group leader or something. I don't know what he was and he had these big sideburns and things and he shows up in the front yard and him and his buddies are doing something. Uh, And I ask him to go to the backyard. Well, he puffs all his feathers up at me, and it didn't go very well. (laughs) Needless to say, he ended up in the backyard. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) No. But it it didn't go well. He ended up uh, in the backyard. The next time I see Chris, I am now. Like a year,
1: like two years later. Yeah,
0: it had been way down the road. And I'm at her family's. My
1: grandmother's house. My dad's grandmother's
0: Thanksgiving meal, and they, like, put you in the back room with this little foldable table. Um, and it was like me, Megan, and then Chris shows up. And I'm like, this is crazy.
1: Luke was like, what are you doing here? And Chris was like, what are you doing here? This is my family. And Chris was like, no, Megan, no, you're not. And I was like. like
0: so ashamed that I she brought me to the thing. So there we
1: sat in grandma's sunroom with Luke and Chris.
0: Eating turkey and dressing. <laughs> he had them big sideburns. Um, uh, But at the time, I didn't know I needed him. Now, I've done life with him for over 20 years, um, and I can honestly say I can't do life without him. He knows me, he loves me, he knows what I'm good at, he knows what I'm bad at, I do the same for him, and it's just been an incredible, incredible friendship.
1: And that's what we wanna talk about today is that friendships don't just happen you have to work at them and make them happen. So what we want to do today is we want to go through the acronym of friend and give you what to look for for those kind of friends, and they will also tell you what, how to be one of those kind of friends. So um, let's, let's do that. Let's start with an F. Um, a good friend is a fighter. Yes,
0: yeah, someone who will have your back. Um, they, they got your back. They always got your back. You, you, your, your name is safe in their mouth. Um, the way we like to say it in our group is if somebody feels comfortable enough saying stuff to you about us, why are they so comfortable saying it to you? That's how you know who's got your back. When, does that Period. make sense? Period. <laughs> Period.
1: Um, yeah, in, in Scripture, there are so many um, friendships that we pull this information from. And when you look at this, the friendship of Jonathan and David, um, King Saul was Jonathan's father, and he was very jealous of David. But the Lord bonded Jonathan um, and David together in a really unique friendship, and it was one that he was willing to fight for his friend no matter what. And Scripture, this is the way it's it's explained in 1 Samuel 18. He says, "As soon as he finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own, and Saul." Took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. So yeah. you're looking for a friendship that is going to fight for you. Now um, let me let me take something right here and make sure that it's not being misconstrued. They're, that does not mean they take on your offenses and feed bad offense. That's not what I mean. It means someone that is going to do right by you and for you. Um, which means if someone, if they need to, they'll take you and sit you down for a meeting or a talk, but they will fight for the friendship. They will fight for you.
0: For instance, I got three teenage girls that are now at the place where boys are noticing them, and I've got about 20 guys over here that are with me the moment I say, this little boy <laughs> needs to be beat up on the playground. <laughs> We've got to go. I've got some fighters in my group.
1: Um, but speaking of Chris, I remember one day we were, as a fighter, I was, and being knit there was one day we were in the intercoastal waterway, we were on the boat, and all of our families were on the boat, little kids, there was five little kids in floaty bathing suits and life jackets, and they're um, coming at us, we were in a no-wake zone, so you're supposed to be going slow, but coming at us is this boat that is going all over And we can just see it. And it's like you can't quite, you don't know where to go to get out of its path because of how much it's weaving. And it is flying at us. And it is quite a bit bigger than the boat that we were in. One of the scariest things I've ever encountered. And we finally, and I mean literally, so then you're at the point where Luke's ready to turn at the last second. And me and Leah are like praying, praying, and screaming at the guy. Praying, praying, and screaming at the guy. And at that point, the kids know it's complete turmoil because everybody's screaming, trying to get the person to stop. Well, we turn, right as he's coming, Luke turns the boat so he doesn't hit us. So now he is behind us and the boat stops.
0: Well, when he came by us, he was and like And he's this. like this. So he
1: he woke up and he's cranking the boat up and trying to go and leave. And Chris, everybody else, the kids are hysterical. In full dad mode. Chris in full dad mode is standing on the back of the boat. You almost killed me. You almost killed my family. These are my people. These are my people. I love them. I love my family. You almost killed them. I mean, it was... The deepest level of passion I have, I'll never forget the vision of him doing that. And, ne- and every time I read that verse, when it says that he was knit, Jonathan made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul, like it was, that's what you need. You need someone that loves you. They're going to fight for you, for the betterment of who you are.
0: Coming to find out the driver was drunk, Eddie, wherever he was. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding.
1: kidding. All right, that's the F. The R is
0: right. right. They will lead you and take you to Jesus when you can't or even when you don't want to. Yes. Uh, That's a big one. They're going to steer you in the right uh, direction. True friends, I think, are not just going to be there to agree with you. They're going to lead you to the right direction. Yeah. Uh, So It's so many. uh, I see so many, especially guys, we, we hang out with the people that are fun and make us laugh. And you'll notice fun is not on here. Every one of my guys is super duper fun, but these are more important than fun. Fun's easy to find. People who are gonna steer you in the right direction is the more important thing.
1: Yeah. Proverbs says this Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, You know, there's a scripture in story, there's a story in scripture, and it's found in Mark, and there is a guy who's paralyzed. And Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he's in a room, and it's so crowded that you can't get through. And so the friends can't get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. But you know, there's times in life where you are, we're just paralyzed, we're stagnant in our growth. Some of us have had church hurt. Some of us have had issues, and you don't want to go to Jesus. You're you're and even though it's what you need, you're paralyzed from that. These four guys took their friend that was paralyzed, tied a rope to his mat, climbed onto the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered their paralyzed friend down at the feet of Jesus. You need friends that are going to do right by you and say, this is what, you, you need this. Even if you don't want it, even if you don't feel like it, I know that this is what's best for you. Those kind of friends.
0: All right, we got a boogie here. Uh, The next one is I, interested. What is going on in your life matters to them, the good, the bad, the ugly.
1: Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I'll tell you this story um, really quick. We recently, as in this week.
0: It's not just a one-way relationship. It's two-way. No, no.
1: Well, and I think for people, listen, it's super important to have someone that's there for you when you're down. You know, in the book of Job, Job had awful things happen. He had three friends travel from a long distance to come and to check on him. So you need people when you're down, but you need people when good things are happening. It's hard to find someone that wants to celebrate your wins and not be jealous of your wins. So you have to look for someone that can truly be happy for you and someone that can be there when, you, when something bad is going on. Recently, this week, my daughter left a protein shake sitting underneath the couch, and she didn't realize it was right at the foot, and it spilt. So about three days ago, I come out and I can smell Mm. moldy milk, disgusting protein in my living room. I'm a smell person. I know it's not on the love language test of the five love languages, but I'm positive it is mine. Like how Luke smells right here is Mm. heaven to me. He'll say sometimes, you're not kissing me, you're just smelling me, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am. So I am sitting, and me and Luke are trying to work on this message, and we're sitting in a living room, and I'm like, babe, the smell, the smell. And you ever feel like men sometimes, they feel like you've got a lot going on, so they downplay it? You know what I'm saying? So Luke says, I can't even smell anything. And I'm like, you can't even smell anything? He's like, no, I don't smell anything. I said, well, I can't be dependent on you to ask you if my breath stinks anymore. Because if you can't smell that, you really couldn't smell it. No. That's your story and your stick.
0: No. And I am a minimizer. I will minimize it. I just couldn't smell it.
1: But I, I I, feel like I'm usually pretty rational, but I was not rational. For two days, I was...
0: Oh, no, no, no. You weren't. You were I
1: scrubbed and I scrubbed and I scrubbed. And it was like this... This. It was like it got into the padding. And, I, and then the more I scrubbed, the worse it got. I mean, I did vinegar. I did baking soda. I did baking powder. I did Resolve. I did organic. I, I did everything. And it was consuming me for two days. It was, a, it was a situation. And so I couldn't get him to care. <laughs> so I called my friend, I texted her, and I'm like, I've got a stain in my carpet. Leah was there in like an hour with a carpet cleaner and me and her are just cleaning and scrubbing and cleaning and scrubbing. And then we came to the, and I was like, it really bothered her because how much it was bothering me
0: <laughs> and I was in the garage like, oh, this needs to be organized. <laughs> this feels out of place right here. Um, and then my buddy showed up, took the carpet. Yeah, yeah. I looked him in the eye. He knew there was desperation. He needed to be there. Fist bump. He took the carpet and left. Yeah, and I,
1: I caught Kent All is board. well in the house Yeah, now. he he came through. So the rug has gone currently. It's getting yeah. cleaned. Um, but I say that to say the big things, the little things, big things. You guys know that we're... We're, we're fostering um, uh, almost two-year-old. The way that our friends step in and care and do life together, whether it's the rug when Luke had his neck surgery, the way they showed up and cleaned out in the garage. Like you, you need friends that are interested in what you've got going on. That yes. your world matters to them. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You find someone that's all about them and it's all about their world. Well, find someone that's going to get into your world. I mean, nobody was a better example of that than Jesus, coming into our world.
0: So, E, encouraging. They speak words of life, and they believe in you.
1: Yeah. So this is probably one of me and Luke's major life verses um, in this. Um, Scripture is really clear that words do not return void, and that what comes out of your mouth, what is spoken, um, does not return void. And sometimes you don't always feel like speaking encouraging things over yourself and about yourself. So you need a friend that will. And um, so Romans 12.10, this is something that Luke and I started at the beginning of our marriage, and we still do to this day. Um says, Romans 10, 12, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor.
0: Yeah, that was a, that was a verse that Meg and I committed to at the beginning of our relationship. Uh, we heard it at a conference and we both were just like, what if we just do this? What if we commit that we're going to do this? No matter, We're going to try to outdo each other and serve each other like there's a trophy at the end of every day what if we do that? What would our marriage look like? And, and so that's been a pivotal piece for our, uh, for our marriage, but I
1: thought the way you mentioned it at first service was good. Like if a need is mentioned,
0: yeah, if a need is like, if she says she wants something or needs something, I'm going after it. Like I'm trying my best. And the same happens with me. If we slightly say something, the other one's going after trying to fix it. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's kind of how we've all done our life. But, um, I think this verse is also to how the four of us lead pastors do life as well. The, the thing about friends that is unique is a lot of people will say, Well, how do four of you run the church? Uh, we just got back from a pastor's conference, and every pastor there was like, So there's four of y'all. That's weird. I bet that creates a lot. No, it's amazing. It works perfect because we were right. We, we pushed each other to do the right things. We were interested in each other's lives. We were encouraging. We were friends before we had the mantle of leadership. We honored each other before we had the mantle of leadership. We trusted each other. They, we were fighters. They had our backs. We had their backs. We believed in each other. We were encouraging to each other. And because of that, out of that, we get to grow the church. You see, there's no. Egos, there's nobody fighting for the glory of this thing. One person deserves the glory, and that's Jesus. We have no issues with each other because we're truly doing this together, and we were doing it before we got the mantle of leadership. Does that make sense?
1: Yep, yep, that's good. Um, The end in friendship is not going anywhere. They will be with you through the tough stuff. Um, The story of Ruth and Naomi. Ruth is um, married to Naomi's son, They're living in a foreign land to Naomi. It's Ruth's homeland. And um, their husbands pass away. And so ultimately Naomi's like, I've got nothing here. I'm in a foreign land. I'm going back home. And Ruth says, I'm going to go with you. And Naomi says, no, no, don't go with me. You stay here. These are your land. This is your people. And she says back to Um, Naomi Ruth says do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you go I will go and where you lodge I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God my God where you die I will die and there will I be buried may the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you I think friendship turns over so quickly um, that a true friend you need to know they're not going anywhere there like there is a conversation that can happen that can be really tough. There can be things you have to work through, there can be disagreements, there can be all that, but at the end of the day, this relationship is not going anywhere. I I have got your back through thick and thin, and you've got mine. That is the that is the into me, me you see means there's not enough of me that is you can't love. You can't love that I'm not going anywhere.
0: All right, the last one is D, dedicated to Christ.
1: Yeah, you need to be dedicated, you need to have your friend dedicated to Christ in a way that everything, their moral compass, revolves around Jesus' moral compass. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, period. You cannot be around people that are not what we talked about and expect to have a positive outcome. Um, one of the things that Luke and I, what we've been chewing on the, but, is.
0: Well, that was one of the things we talked about with, the, with this young group is uh, you know, you, you hang around fish, you're going to end up smelling like fish. And my question is, what is the aroma of your friendships? The way, the way we thought about it was relationship equals intimacy, and that's the way it's supposed to work, but intimacy equals fertility. And in that intimacy with who you decide to do life with, there will be a baby born. There will be something born. And I want you to look at your relationships and ask yourself, are you proud of what is being born? Are you proud of what is being birthed? There is fertility and intimacy. And who you decide to do life with will produce something. And I want you to challenge today. Is it the right thing? Is it the thing that's going to lead you to God? Is it the thing that's going to make you a better person? Because it, it, you don't get to get fertility without intimacy. They come hand in hand. I just want to know, are you, are you proud of what you're building with Your each friendship
1: other? Friendship is a legacy. And the way you do friendship and what you get from friendship is what you pass down to your children. it, it It is very important. Luke and I, in our first message, we talked about dominating the distance and closing the distance. But I think oftentimes in order for God to bring the right people into your life, there has to be sometimes distancing and you removing the, the stuff the relationships that are toxic so that the right relationships can start and so if you're looking at your life and you're looking at all of the offsprings and all of the products you have to at some point look back at yourself and say well these are the relationship the intimate relationships that i'm choosing to have so i can't be surprised when that offspring shows up no there's in a and a way, there's no protection from that intimacy. If you are friends, the Bible says bad company ruins good morals. Period. It does. And so your relationship that is is a friendship is going to have offspring. Um, I think what happens is oftentimes we get kind of comfortable and we don't set we don't put the standards of our friendships that we kind of let them happen instead of making them happen. And so we have these we can be in relationships that feel familiar. And we should have never been in them in the first place. How many of you, well, I won't, I'm just going to tell you, but the story of Samson and Delilah is a story that has always befuddled me because I've always been really shocked by how stupid Samson was. Were you not? I mean, has everybody, I feel like you've always thought, man, that guy was a blooming idiot. I mean, and so, but the more, when you read the story, and I'm going to summarize it for the sake of time, because we're wrapping up right now. Um, But Samson marries a woman. So first of all, Samson is born a Nazarite and he is blessed from birth. An angel shows up to his mom and dad and says, I'm, this group of people, the Philistines have been terrorizing the Israelites for a long time. And I'm gonna raise up your son to help defeat and protect our people. So he gives Samson a supernatural strength. Like he is so strong and he's gonna defeat armies of people, right? He goes and Dates and is with falls in love with one of the Philistine women. Problem number one: he's with someone he shouldn't have been with. She tries to figure out what is the secret to his strength. So she, he tells her. Finally, she nags enough. You know what I mean? Like she just wouldn't stop nagging. So he's like, "Fine." Well, he lies and he says, "Tie me up with seven new bowstrings that have not been dried." When he wakes up and he's tied with the seven new bowstrings, you think he would look at Delilah and be like, "You are not my people." He wakes up, and the army is there waiting on him to take him captive. And and so then he busts out of this tied rope, and she begs that night again. She cries, and she's like, I can't believe you made me look like an idiot. And so then he gives her another secret, and he's like, okay, okay. If you tie me up with brand-new rope that's never been used, I'll wake up. I'll be as weak as everyone else. He wakes up the next morning tied up in the brand-new rope. See where I'm getting the blooming idiot thing from, right? so but samson again he snaps those ropes a third time a third time samson says to her okay if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle i would become as weak as anyone else while he sleeps she weaves his hair to it calls the philistine army in he wakes up pulls right out of it blooming idiot right three times Finally, she nags him enough. He tells her the real secret to his strength. He says to her, my hair has never been cut. He confesses, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realizes he has finally told her the truth. So she sends for the Philistine rulers to come back. They wake up with money in hand to pay her. She lured him to sleep, shaved his head. She cries out. The Philistines are here. He wakes up. He goes to shake everybody off like before, and he can't. He's lost all of his power. They take him into captivity where he is forced to do slave work. They gouge out both of his eyes. In the end, he ends up making one last run and killing a group of Philistine people and their governing officials at a party, a lavish party. But he himself was included. So the whole plan of Samson's life was ruined because of his familiarity with Delilah. And I've always thought he was really stupid. But the more you start researching Samson, do you know that Delilah was not, or he was ultimately first time deceived? If you look up in three verses, at the beginning of chapter 16, it says one day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. So here's the problem. He had been with something that was familiar. So Delilah didn't seem out of bounds. But then if you back up even farther, do you know that Samson was married to someone else that tried to do the exact same thing that Delilah did? He had gone to that same town, fell in love with a woman. They had a whole wedding. At the wedding, he says to the part, to all of the guests, if you can solve a riddle during the seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 linen robes and 30 festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, you have to give it to me. They all agreed. He told them the riddle. Three days later, they can't figure out the riddle. So they go to Samson's new wife and she goes to Samson and says, please tell me the answer to the riddle. He tells her and she tells them. He gets mad and he goes home, leaves her and doesn't end up staying with her. So Delilah is the end of the story. That's the end of it. That's where the demise happened, but the demise was able to happen because he was comfortable having intimate relationships with people that were not okay. And the reason that Delilah did not wave red flags is because he had been doing this. So Samson wasn't just a blooming idiot. Samson had ignored stuff for a long, long time and allowed an intimate relationship to create offspring that he had been doing his whole life. And so some of you, the way you have always seen friendships, you might not have known a friendship like we're talking about. Some of you might not have experienced a relationship that does this kind of stuff for you. And so today might be the end of this relationship series. Today might be just the time that you need to dominate the distance and create some distance so that God can bring the people that he wants you in your life. Some of you need friends like Job. Some of you need a friend like Jonathan and David or like Ruth and Naomi. And you need to be that friend because here's what we truly believe. God designed relationships because God works through people. Listen to me. God works through people, but you must find the right people. And you must be the right people. And when that happens, it's one of the most beautiful, blessed, God-intended things that will ever happen in your life. Ever.
0: I I think it's important when you look at this story, um, we get to see this a lot in counseling. We were talking with a a girl the other day, and the enemy doesn't tempt you with red flags in a relationship. He tempts you with beige flags, the the flags that are almost okay. Um, But if you look at Samson, he... He needed a group of people around him to say, look, the issue's not women, the issue is you. And when you go through life, we see this all the time, if if you have an issue that keeps showing up in your life and everybody you work for is out to get you and you go to business after business after business and they're out to get you, or you go to boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend, or you do this, 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 when the pattern becomes real in your life, the problem is not the exterior, the problem is the interior. And we can put the face on whatever problem we want to and just multiply it in our life until we realize, hey, wait a minute, there's something about us that we gotta fix. And a lot of times it's hard for us to see because we're so comfortable with the comfortable that we can't see the beige flag. It's not as apparent to us. And so we get fooled really easy by the enemy. And so you gotta have those friends around you that say, hey, you're treading on light waters. I've seen you do this before. I've seen you do this again. I've seen you do this again. This is kind of your Achilles heel. Let's fix this. Let's fix this. I know you want these friends, but you've got to figure out how to be a friend yourself. It's not always everybody else's fault. When you can start owning those kinds of things and start being the friend you want out of life, God will give you those people. Sometimes we're just not ready for the people God wants to do life with us with. He's not ready to give you that someone until you need to grow through certain things. So I think that's something, that's all we got, baby. That's it. That's it, let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for today. We thank you uh, for this series, Lord. We just ask that you bless relationships in our lives. Lord, bless our, our friends, our mates, our work life, our family. Lord, we just ask that you give us wisdom and speak to us the way you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our life. And we ask for your blessings over it. We also have a team going to Guatemala, leaving Friday. And Lord, we ask that you bless that missions team. Cover them, protect them. I ask that you help us to pray for them. Lord, we ask that you go ahead and be on and do some great work there, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we love serving you. Be with us this week as we go out and be better friends. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see y'all next weekend. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you are encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.